Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. That's right, it is the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It is the show where we don't take calls, we don't tolerate sponsors, but we just try to help. We just try to help. And so, we will begin in the Laugh Out Loud file, which is a subfolder of the politics file, because if you don't laugh, you may go insane. Or at least be depressed, which we don't want to be. We want to be happy. So we're just going to laugh out loud as we read that James Comer, who is the new chair of the House Oversight Committee for the new slim and very temporary Republican majority up there in the House of Representatives, Mr. Comer has drafted a long-expected letter to the new boss. That's right. The chair of the House Oversight Committee is calling on the administration to turn over all documents and internal communications related to Ukraine. At which point everyone in the White House said, <laughs> So that's, that's actually laughing out loud. That's not the LOL. That's, that was actual audio of White House officials when Mr. Comer's letter crossed their desk. The committee wants a comprehensive account of weapons, equipment, budgeting assistance. Uh, and they're also calling for all materials related to how much money has been spent and how much remains in the pipeline. <laughs> uh, they also call on the administration to, uh, to disclose benchmarks for success. The letter was addressed to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, and Samantha Powers, who I believe was the one on tape going, <laughs> uh, but all three of them just laughed, and they forwarded the letter to Michelle Obama's mom, where her and her staff will formulate the plan to stonewall for a couple of years, steal one more election, and then it's a thousand years of darkness if we're not already in World War III by then. So you got to laugh out loud at the, at the politics, right? Because anyway, while that's going on, there are serious, serious events occurring. From the Just a System file, the... The famed Department of Justice, which is an interesting nomenclature for that group right now. The Department of Justice announced last Wednesday that eight people have been indicted, accused of engaging in a civil rights conspiracy and violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. That's right. Who are these sinister enemies of civil rights? Calvin Zastro, Chester Gallagher, Heather Idoni, Carolyn Davis, Joel Curry, Justin Phillips, Eva Edel, and Eva Zastro. That's right, they blockaded an abortion clinic. 
in 2020 in Sterling Heights, Michigan. And uh, a couple of them blockaded another one in 2021 just to just to uh, further flaunt our overlords at the Department of Justice and the Sacred and Holy Face Act. So anyway, I have actually been on the front lines with Cal Zastro, Calvin Zastro, as he goes by here, and Chester Gallagher. I've actually been out there with both of those guys. I haven't had the honor of meeting or working with the others, but if we have a chance to conspire in the future, I would be open to that. If they would condescend to allow me to conspire with them, I will, in the meantime, I will simply conspire in their defense. Hopefully there's a place where we can go to provide funds for the defense of the eight. If so, I will link to it. Now, Eva Edel, by the way, who has been indicted for engaging in a civil rights conspiracy, she survived Soviet death camps after World War II. You know, after the death camps of the Nazis were bombed into the Stone Age and torn to the ground, the Soviet Union kept them alive for another 30 years for at least another 30 years if not longer in the Soviet Union um, Eva Edel survived Soviet death camps barely escaping with her life from first the Nazis during World War II and then the Soviets she immigrated to America where she began to take up the, the cause of the next great civil rights event in her lifetime which was to defend the unborn. And so these eight defendants, they want the FACE Act to be litigated and they want it to be defeated in court. That's one of the reasons they did this. But the main reason they did it, and I haven't even asked because I don't have to, the main reason they did it, they blockaded this clinic on that morning in August of 2020. The main reason was they mostly wanted to stop women from entering that particular death pit that particular morning. That was why they did it. And then the litigation is just a side effect. Meanwhile, from there, we go into the personhood file where attorney William M. Morris has filed a petition for a writ of habeas corpus on behalf of the unborn child of Natalia Harrell there in Florida. This is a defense attorney filing a petition, a writ of habeas corpus on behalf of an unborn child. The filing argues that the fetus is, quote, a person under the Florida Constitution and the United States Constitution and therefore has the right to due process and that the fetus is being improperly detained because the fetus happens to be inside another person. Uh, Harold, the mom in this case, was six weeks pregnant when she was arrested in connection with the death of Gladys Yvette Borsella. She's being held without, bail, uh, held without bail on murder charges while inside of her exists another person. And so her lawyer, this is the level of contempt for pregnancy and for the unborn that's been bred into the justice system and a culture of death for 50 years. That, that a lawyer would file this as if as if, I, I don't even know as if, I'm not even sure what, what the words are, but let me just remind everyone, 
before we started legally murdering children in America, before we started doing that, there were policies in place to facilitate pregnancy while a woman was in jail awaiting trial. We had policies to facilitate the healthy and successful culmination of a pregnancy for a woman who was in jail. But regardless, the child is now a political football in an absurd game among fools. And this lawyer is allowed to file this and, uh, and certain, certain people on the right think this is somehow some sort of victory that could lead to personhood, to, to, to the recognition of the personhood of the unborn child to stop them from being killed. But we should all be over that by now. I mean, if you're still naive enough to believe that, there are personhood cases and precedents all over the country going back the whole time, the whole 50 years. And the murder of the innocent children hasn't stopped. The murder of the innocent children won't stop until the people no longer desire to kill their children. Or until they're too scared of the punishment. That's the only time it'll stop. It won't stop by, by uh, writs of anything or legal decisions or precedents. Or minutiae in some decision somewhere in some state. That's not how it's going to end. It's going to either end by, by love or by force. And we appreciate uh, the eight in the Michigan case being on the front lines. And we repudiate and revile as despicable attorney William M. Norris for his uh, smart aleck. Uh, anyway. I guess I'll, I'll just move into the faux news file. F-E-A-U-X, faux news. Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon has suspended an attorney in his office who was prosecuted, who, who prosecuted the 26-year-old transgendered child molester that we've reported on here on the show. I'm not going to say his name. But uh, DNA evidence linked this creep who is a dude who is a convicted child molester to a cold case murder, a, a cold case murder. And the lead prosecutor has been suspended by George Gascon because he's accused of misgendering and dead naming the child molester who's accused of murder. That, so that's where George Gascon's priorities are. No, no surprise there. We know what George Gascon is. He's a leftist communist plant of George Soros directly into the festering heart, the festering boil that is the just a system in Los Angeles. That's, we know what he is. But what about Fox News? Listen, I'm at faux news, I'm sorry. They report DNA evidence linked her, her, to a cold case murder. That's Fox News calling the creep, child molester, accused murderer, who's a dude. Fox News calls him her in the article. They go on to say that this creep, who I will not name, has a lengthy criminal history in California and Idaho under her former name. That's Fox News. They play along. 
They play along with it. Because, why? Because Fox News is leftist. Be very, be very careful of Fox News. You have to watch Fox News with a filter, a grain of salt, your tongue firmly implanted in your cheek, and just be, be on the lookout. Because they're a bunch of leftists over at Fox. And, uh, and this is just, yeah, dead naming and misgendering a child molester who, by the way, molest, I, I mean, if you get into what this creep has done in his life, the fact that he's alive is astonishing. The fact that this creep has been allowed to live after what he did to a little, to a child, is an affront to God for which there will be hell to pay. There will be hell to pay for whoever allowed this guy to continue walking the face of God's green earth after what he did. Uh, and that's aside from the, the murder. That's aside from the murder. All right. Now, one more from the legally insane file. The Kansas Senate has defined the word woman as a biological female under state law. That's right. The act passed last Thursday. Republican Senator Renee introduced the bill, and she says what this does is simply codify in the law the definition of sex. Okay, well, thank you, Renee. We very much appreciate your wisdom and your efforts, but the definition of a woman, the definition of sex, was already codified in the Bible. And in the common sense and in the DNA of every sane person for 5,000 years, the last thing we needed was the opinion of, of a committee at the Senate there in Kansas. Thank you. We didn't need that. So what these idiot Republican lawyers have done, and by the way, that's what legislators are anymore. They're just lawyers. And lawyers aren't as smart as you think. They're good at school, but they're not necessarily wise. There are a few, but not here. Not here in the Kansas Senate. Not Senator Renee, the, the lawyer out there in Kansas. What she and her cohort of Republicans have done is created the impression that such a definition as the definition of sex can be legislated and voted on. Which now means that given enough time and opportunity, the left will vote to change her law. And she will have participated in giving that change legitimacy. Because any of us ever allowed this to even become a subject of legitimate discussion, we will, to whatever degree we all participated in that, we will all be responsible for the downfall and the fact that a generation forgets what sex is. It's the Weekly Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. <clears throat> and we go from criminally insane, which that's just criminally insane. Who would have ever thought that we would come to a point where we thought we had to define sex? 
To, well, from there, we'll stumble backwards into the accidental conspiracy file where, shock of all shocks, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that the Energy Department has concluded that the COVID pandemic, the virus, most likely arose from a laboratory leak, most likely possibly maybe in, in Wuhan, China. Maybe possibly. So now that the Wall Street Journal has spoken and a, bureauc a bureaucracy within the federal government has spoken, now that those two things have happened, now we're all allowed to say what's been fairly obvious from the start. That there were some uh, Chinese researchers playing around with viruses that have not circulated in the human population. And they were sloppy and their labs weren't up to snuff. And despite the fact that they were wearing masks, the virus somehow escaped. So we're all allowed to say that now. Or at least we're allowed to debate whether that might be true without being classified as insane people. Uh, the New York Post claims that the Wall Street Journal report is based on classified intelligence. Yes, that was provided to the White House. Uh-huh. At which point the White House staff said, <laughs> Why? Because they don't have to take anything seriously. So the maniacal demonic left has seized total power. I mean, the Republicans can send their letters... And now what can happen now that they've seized, seized total power is that their organs in the media and the deep state can start admitting all their lies and they will, there will be no consequences. And they'll start with the lab leak. That's probably the, this is the first drip of the release of all their lies over the whole pandemic flip out and deception. Um... Anyway, the, the New York Post reporter asked, why was, why was evidence of a lab leak so slow to emerge from the intelligence agencies? And so answering his own question right there in the question, it's because it's uh, the intelligence agencies. They were involved in the cover-up. My goodness. And I think the author knows that. He's, it's a rhetorical question. But then he asks, why the censorship? Well, and I think he knows the answer to this, too. Why the censorship? To get rid of Donald Trump. It was the perfect opportunity, the perfect storm to steal an election and quite possibly institute the destruction of Western civilization that the communists have been after for 100 years. It was just a golden opportunity. That's why there was the censorship, is because most of the media and most of the... Most of the uh, popular culture infrastructure is leftist. And they've been wanting to do this for quite some time. Uh, the New York Post uh, author says there will continue to be a debate over the origins of... I'm sorry. Yes, there will continue to be a debate over the origins of COVID-19. But now there will at least be a debate. And I don't think that's the case. I think everyone now will just be allowed to come out and say, okay, yeah, it came from China. After all, it seems like someone in the military-industrial complex has decided to start positioning America for the war against China. It seems like that. 
And so I called for a war on China uh, at least 25 years ago, back when we probably could have taken them out fairly easily because they were a dictatorial, communist, atheist, murderous state that had no right to exist and hold all those people hostage in China. That's what, that's what I called for. But now that we've allowed them to grow so strong, well, I've always said, we're going we're gonna to go to war with China eventually. It's going to happen. So, and now it seems like it's going to happen on China's terms, since they're actually in charge. Anyway, but back to the COVID and the lab leak and the fact that it's, it's been fairly obvious even to people on the left for quite some time. It's even been whispered by certain people. Well, eventually, everything the people did, the people who didn't freak out and bow to the lockdowns and the mandates, everything they did will be proven for the most part to have been accurate. Because, you know, it's like I said before, there were things we all knew before this. There were. It's just that very few people chose to remember them during the cultural event of our lifetime. The defining incident of mass hysteria, perhaps in human history to date. Very few people chose to remember what we all knew. All right, like, like one thing we all knew was that literally, unless we all locked ourselves in our houses and never left, that's the only way you could pr protect yourself from an aerosol respiratory virus, and even then it might get you. So we all knew that. But uh, what, what am I doing? anyway. <sighs> okay, so from there, which was an accidental conspiracy. Here, let's talk about an actual conspiracy that's occurring. From the zombie apocalypse file, a skin-rotting drug commonly known as Trank is making its way across America. Trank is the street name for xylazine, which is an animal tranquilizer. Uh-huh. And so what's happening is now heroin and fentanyl are being cut with xylazine. That the... Well, somebody knows what it is. Whoever started this and started selling this out on the streets, they know it's Animal Tranquilizer. That's how it got its name, Trank. So this is a conspiracy. Okay? That people have conspired to introduce an Animal Tranquilizer into the street drug economy. And they're cutting heroin and fentanyl with this stuff. Trank users experience raw wounds that erupt on their skin at the site of injection. That skin then dies and begins to rot. And all the surrounding skin rots and then an infection starts, sometimes leading to the amputation of limbs. I said the amputation of limbs, which, by the way, that happens to heroin addicts, too. Uh, people, who, uh, people who inject drugs, right? But this, this happens to be uh, turbo necrosis. Turbo necrosis. Yeah, yeah, that's what this is. Some former addicts 
have spoken to reporters about seeing people continue to inject the drug into their stumps after amputation. After amputation. And so you would say, well, that person is addicted. That person is so addicted to that drug that even after you had to chop off their arm, they will still inject the drug into the stump. So I just want to address this notion of addiction for just a moment because we, as children of God, enlightened by the gospel, right? The believers, those of us who know Jesus Christ in the Bible and actually have the answers to a world gone insane and teetering on the, the, the precipice of the greatest mass murder-suicide in history, those of us who have the answers, we should not allow the secular world to define our problems. And the problem, addiction is, is a psychological construct designed to give some credibility to the fact that you simply will not overcome your propensity to satisfy your lusts instead of walking in the Spirit. That's, that's what addiction is. It's a failure to overcome your own appetites and your own lusts. And it's the habitual practice of that indulgence of the lusts of the flesh that appears to the secular world to be an addiction for which they, they have pills that they prescribe to one another for their addictions, to get over their addictions. They have 12-step programs to help them deal with their addictions because they don't know what sin is. See, now we know what sin is. What's the solution to sin? Well, cut it out. Stop. Well, and, and by the way, you can indulge the, the lusts of the flesh habitually and often enough to where some physical dependency emerges. Yes, and there is some physical dependency upon various drugs and, and substances out there. But that doesn't change the fact that it, it's because you would not overcome your predilection for indulging the lust of the flesh instead of walking in the spirit. That's that's what it is. And you can call it addiction if you want to if you want to put a hang a sign on it that makes you feel better about the fact that maybe it's a disease. But that's not what it is. It's just sin. And, and sin isn't really anything mystical or mysterious. And, and, and we as believers should be confident in the fact that, that the Lord has told us that there is no temptation that overcomes us except that what is common to man. You're not that special. The fact that you want to indulge the lust of the flesh is no more special than the other guy. It's the same thing with all of us. So don't, don't call it an addiction and, and act like uh, there's medicine for it or it's sin. And the answer, uh, the answer to sin is the Spirit, that's all. And the Spirit, by the Spirit, we can overcome the lusts of the flesh, and only by the Spirit, by the way. On our own, we're fairly helpless against it. Especially those of us who were corrupted in our youth before we could even comprehend the consequences of that corruption, we were corrupted. And so, in that sense, if you want to use another secular nomenclature, we're all disabled. But really, we're all just sinful and we're all just fallen. And if you walk by the Spirit, you will not indulge the flesh. 
if you walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not end up injecting uh, Trank into your stump under a bridge outside of Philadelphia. And, 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 and that's just the extreme uh, of what it is. But, but for parents out there who are worried about your kids and drugs and, and, and all of that, let me recommend, there, there are a couple of different pathways you can choose. The world is going to tell you to choose the psychopharmaceutical solution. In other, in other words, have your kid psychoanalyze and figure out what pills he needs so that he can deal with life. I would suggest don't go down that path. Avoid the psychopharmaceutical pathway. Instead, choose the training, discipline, and punishment pathway. Training, discipline, and punishment, not psychoanalysis and, and pharmacological solutions. It's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Thank you for sticking with us. And we come out of the, uh, the world of Trank and uh, fentanyl and addiction and all of that to uh, now into the end of the world file where the Wall Street Journal, who uh, so glad to have an article from the Wall Street Journal now that they've given us permission to talk about the massive deceptions and lies around the the epidemic and the lockdowns and the hysteria. Thank you, Wall Street Journal. And now we have another article from the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal tells us that Wall Street is betting tens of millions of dollars on psychedelic drugs to treat mental illness. Yes, that's right. Uh, basically, uh, we have corporations raising money to investigate the therapeutic applications of psychedelic drugs like LSD and uh, the psilocybin and uh, I believe it's uh, mescaline, dimethamphetamine, ecstasy, other drugs, right? All these, all these psychedelic drugs that have been illegal and criminal for our entire lives. Now they're being, let's see here, Transcend Therapeutics has raised $40 million. Their 29-year-old CEO, Blake, says, we're going to save the world. No, I didn't quite say that. But he did say that he's hoping he can bring one of these drugs to uh, clinical approval by the government for about half of the amount of money it would cost to bring a couple of other drugs. So anyway. So he thinks he can get these drugs to market cheaper and faster than some of his competitors, uh, uh, Gilgamesh Pharmaceuticals and Lacerus Therapeutics Inc. have announced capital raises of about $100 million since November for similar projects to use psychedelic drugs to address depression. Depression. Okay. So this is just like the medical marijuana strategy back in the late 80s and early 90s what we do, guys, is we start off 
telling people, hey, this is medicine. This, that's right. We'll call them dispensaries, right? Like we used to call the drugstore back when. And it'll all be introduced as if it were medicine. And maybe we can even get in the case of the, the psychedelics, it could be even better. Instead of just a phony, fake uh, uh, assertion that it's medicine without any clinical study, maybe the, the psychedelics, we could actually get the FDA to approve these as a, as a medicine for depression. Why, well, because de when you get high, you don't feel depressed. Well, shazam! I bet we could get a, con I bet we could get a con clinical study to prove that. That when people get high, they don't feel depressed. Imagine that. Let's get the study going. Anyway, so they introduce that medicine. They introduce it as medicine, and twenty years later, they will have destroyed civilization. I mean, with the THC, it's a little slower because it doesn't whack your mind out quite as fast and quite as sharply as uh, some of the psychedelics, folks. I I have uh, I have known people who took a psychedelic drug one time and they never came back. Never came back. They were permanently diminished in their mental capacity, in their spiritual capacity, permanently. One of these drugs one time. Anyway, but they're going to introduce it as medicine because when you're high, you don't feel depressed. And, well, we can see what's happening 20 years hence from the legalization of uh, THC as medicine, right? The, go smoke your medicine, there, the doctor said. Uh, she got problems. What is it, a back? You got a problem with your back? You got a problem with your ankle? No, I got a problem with my dad. <laughs> so so what does the doctor say? Well, here, let me. I'll, I'll got a prescription for you. Go smoke this. The only medicine the doctor ever told you to smoke, right, was THC. Anyway, um, so this, this event that is occurring, in front of God and everybody, these companies are being allowed to do this. First of all, this is a sign of what happens to a generation when everything that was illegal gets legalized right in front of their eyes. They assume that everything is legal. And our, our government and the church... And the, the adults who should be in charge telling these kids to stop it, we're letting it happen. I mean, I'm saying something about it. That's all I can do. I can say something about it. But I can't actually arrest 29-year-old CEO Blake for trying to raise money and organize, <laughs> organize clinical studies to approve poison, to, to approve civilizational poison as medicine. I can't arrest the guy. If I could, I would. Someone ought to arrest these people. Folks, the free market, unrestrained by the fear of God, will become monstrously evil. The free market, unrestrained by the fear of God, will kill a billion people. And make a profit. And then others will figure out how to do it more efficiently and at a higher profit. And they'll kill 2 billion people. That's the free market unrestrained by the fear of God. So those of you of, of the uh, libertarian bent, 
I can appreciate many of your arguments, but without the fear of God, libertarianism is libertinism, and it will get us killed. And our children, and my children, and I care more about my children than I care about your supposed liberty to get high because you think you're depressed or whatever your problem is, or your, your desire to make money. I care more about my children than your desire to make money in the free market. Uh, and by the way, I care more about your children, too, than I care for your uh, alleged liberties. I mean, there was something else we all understood before, too. Before we started legalizing everything that was criminal, we all understood what liberty was. It's a Christian concept. Liberty is a Christian concept. It comes to us, the entire Western world, from the Apostle Paul, who told us to have liberty in Christ. So what does that mean? That means you have liberty in doing all of the things, the good things that Christ would do. Outside of that, all the bad things that people do, no, you don't get liberty to do that. And we all understood what liberty was. Um, but no longer. And the generation that's going to raise the money to do the clinical studies to approve LSD and the, 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 are the same ones who approve the amphetamines that all the kids are on now. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's no wonder that the end of the world in the Bible, they talk about the pharmakia and the drugs. Everyone's going to be on drugs. What does it take to get the world to commit a mass murder-suicide? Everyone's got to be on drugs. So that's happening right in front of our faces. And then on top of that, we have Eastern Europe. On top of that, just that's all you have to say. We have Eastern Europe. From the war file... Uh, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban gave a speech this past week, his State of the State Address. And Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, who thinks women are women and men are men, and there's no need to say anything further or codify anything in law. He says 2023 will be the most dangerous year since the fall of communism. We must stay out of the... He talks about his own country, Hungary, Hungary must stay out of the Russo-Ukrainian war. So far, this has not been easy, and it will not be easy. We, Hungary, are members of NATO and the European Union. And everyone there is on the side of war, or at least they act as if they are. The war in Ukraine, he says, is not a war between the armies of good and evil, but a war between the troops of two Slavic countries. Well, I think there's a couple of different levels um, Mr. Orban, I mean, on, on one level, it should be a war between the troops of two Slavic nations. But if that were the case, the war would be over because Russia would have taken Ukraine in a few weeks. But that didn't happen because this has now escalated into not a war between good and evil, but a war between evil and more evil. And I'm not sure which is more evil on which side. Uh, let's go back to Mr. Orban. The Hungarian government does not consider it realistic to assume that Russia is a threat to the security of Hungary or Europe. That's pretty reasonable. I mean, just look at what the Ukrainian army and... Well, let me read, just read from Orban's speech. The Ukrainians are trying to convince Europe that the Russians will not stop until they reach the Atlantic. 
But the Hungarians are not buying that threat. The whole world has seen that the Russian forces are not in a position to attack, to attack NATO. So is it, hasn't that been obvious that NATO's been able to repulse the Russian invasion heretofore? With the help of a, a, a relatively small ragtag force of Ukrainians that are basically held together by a few criminal gangs? So really, Russia's going to conquer the world? Please, give me a break. That's as believable today as I'm, my, my dad used to tell me back in the 80s that, that the idea that the Soviet Union was somehow a threat to conquer America was ludicrous. They can barely get a, a, a functioning hospital together or a cafeteria for crying. They can barely build a car that'll run. They're going to conquer the world, please. Anyway, there was someone making an awful lot of money during the Cold War on that whole uh, myth of Soviet domination of a of the of the world, or at least of America. The Soviets could have dominated the world because the world outside of America, I've been around. It's fairly pathetic. I mean, when you leave America and you see what the rest of the world is like, you, you basically want to get back to America fairly quickly. It's not that impressive out there. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the military-industrial complex that was making all that money from the Cold War and then uh, through these last wars with the terrorists and the threat that the Islamists are going to conquer the world... So now this is their next this is their next uh, cash cow, I guess. Um, not that China wasn't going to have to be dealt with at some point. Um, but we could have maybe had the Russians on our side. It's possible. But now that doesn't look very likely. Anyway, Orban, uh, Viktor Orban, Prime Minister of Hungary, goes on to say peace will come. When the Americans and the Russians negotiate with each other. Wow. Now, the Americans claim we're, they're not even involved. It's We're just helping with some bullets and some money and some bandages and some beans. This is politically, hey, our hands are clean. Well, Orban just says the Americans and the Russians need to negotiate. So he calls it like it is because it's fairly obvious what's going on. Uh, Orban says that. Uh, American-Russian negotiations will inevitably happen, but the later it happens, the higher the price we will all pay. And so, Mr. Orban, I appreciate your optimism, but I do not think that Russian and American negotiations are inevitable. I don't think they're inevitable. In fact, at this point, they don't look likely. And it could be that both sides, because armies tend to fight the last war, and if we end up fighting the last world war again, both sides might assume that the only option for an end to the conflict is total victory. We can stop the world and let off our fools and let them go there with the guns in the sky. It's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. We are, we're just the other side. 
of third and headed for home and we go into the culture of death file where we have a report from new orleans where the bacchus parade was going on bacchus bacchus is the roman god of drunkenness and partying or something like that um so they were having a, a bacchus parade because you know now the masks are off a drunken celebration of a pagan god goes on in America on an annual basis because you're just allowed to do that now. And you can call it the Bacchus Parade because just that's allowed now. There used to be some shame. And you wouldn't say the name of Bacchus Parade out in public, but now you can. And uh, one man was killed and four others were injured when someone started shooting into the Bacchus Parade. A large crowd lined the street enjoying the festivities. Festivities. Uh-huh. So a, a drunken celebration of demonic death worship is uh, lighting the streets. But that's basically what Mardi Gras is anyways. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the shooting there and the killing and the wounding of people and the bloodshed and the screaming caused the Bacchus parade to be temporarily halted. And then the parade resumed after they wiped up the blood. Because, you know, it's a Bacchus parade. Someone might get killed. We're just out here, demonic death worship on the street, and someone gets killed. We wipe up the blood, scrape the brains off the curb so nobody slips, and then we get on with the parade. No, the, the police say they only allowed the parade to resume so that it would get out of the way of the crime scene. Uh, no, no mention as to how raucous the celebrations were after the killing. If maybe that calmed down the uh, the festive uh, the festive nature of the festivities there, let's assume that it did. Now, from there, from uh, New Orleans and the Bacchanal, we go to the In Your Face file where the Arizona Senate Education Committee had a hearing last week because they're hearing things and they're talking about things, mostly things that shouldn't be discussed, uh, are discussed at Education Committee hearings. And uh, a special ed teacher named Alicia uh, heard that, uh, let's see, what there was a, there was a bill... The bill intends to empower parents to have greater say in what their children are exposed to. That's how the BizPack Review reporter puts it. That, that, and even that, just when you stop and think about that, when, when parents are now concerned about what their children are exposed to, like radiation, right, or flashers, or, I mean, what, what are you talking about? Kids supposed to be going to learn how to read and add and subtract. Supposed to be learning about history, right? The Civil War, memorizing. Anyway, but no, you're worried about what they're exposed to. Okay. Well, that right there, Mom and Dad, I, if you're worried about what your kids are going to be exposed to, maybe you don't want them over there. But anyway, so there's a bill to allow parents to have greater say in what their children are exposed to. I'll just try to move on from that sentence, as disturbing as it is. Well, when, when a special ed teacher Alicia heard that someone wanted to give parents a say, she was upset. 
And she took to the lectern and she said, quote, I have a master's degree. <laughs> uh, note to anyone who wants other people to listen to you, don't introduce yourself with, I have a master's degree. Anyway. But she said, I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Yeah, that's what she said. What do the parents have? Well, the parents have the kids. Well, actually, I guess I guess you have the kids most of the day. Anyway, uh, 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 special ed teacher Alicia went on. By the way, she has a master's degree, just in case. She went on. <clears throat> she said, quote, are we vetting the background of our parents? Are we allowing the parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? I think that's a mistake. And I'm just speaking from the heart. <laughs> Unquote. That's Alicia. And notice what she says. Are we going to allow parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? Our children? I would bet a week's pay that this woman has no actual children. That's just my guess. Because special ed teachers with master's degrees generally don't reproduce. And yet she acts as if your children that you're handing over to her at the public schools, she acts as if they're hers. And why? Well, because you keep handing them over to her. So cut it out. It's a sin. It's a sin to send your kid to the government schools. If you send your kid to the government schools, you're sinning against your child. You're sinning against God. And there will be consequences for that sin in this world and in the next. So cut it out. Okay. So... To, on to the sex crime file where out in Livonia, Michigan, police were flagged down last Sunday afternoon when people asked that they perform a welfare check at a certain residence. When officers entered the residence, they discovered two people deceased. The victims identified as 22, a 22-year-old woman and a 26-year-old man were both members of the Detroit Police Department. Investigators are now trying to piece together what happened. It looks like a murder-suicide. It looks like a murder-suicide. It just happens to be two cops. But this is any two young people in their 20s in America drenched in THC, pornography, race hatred, and pornography and and things go wrong in their life because more than likely somebody was cheating with somebody on somebody sexual immorality was involved and they end up in a it ends up as a murder suicide this is a picture of what's going to happen to this generation if somebody doesn't stand up and say cut this out this is a picture of it right here it's a murder suicide awful and now the death penalty file. Uh, Tyler Boris said that his wife, 26-year-old Alexandria, was loading groceries at Kroger when she got into an argument with a woman she didn't know. The stranger pulled out a gun and shot her in the back and killed her. The couple's children, 
A two-year-old and an infant were in the car when their mom was shot right in front of them. At Kroger, got into an argument in a parking lot over what? Your car bumped my car. What? I mean, it's unclear what led up to the argument, according to authorities. Well, what led up to the murder was a constant stream of pornography, Adderall, THC, and race hatred pumped into the minds of this generation. This, again, could be any 20-somethings. Any any group of 20-somethings in the country. Things get tense. There's a disagreement. And murder is an option. And for the younger generation, it appears to be an easier chosen option than it ever has been before. And that is terrifying. Because that's how World War III can happen. Is when the children want to kill each other. Because what one thing we've learned throughout human history is when an awful lot of the children want to kill each other, an awful lot of the older people who want to make money off it will facilitate that to happen. It's, it's tragedy to watch it happening. Now, from the Justice File, we want to end. Do we want to end with some good news? Is this all good? It's not all good news. In fact, this is probably, I should call this the good news, bad news file. I'm not sure. The justice file. Juan Villanueva was serving a life sentence with the possibility of parole after he raped a 14-year-old child, it says. A child, which doesn't say a girl, so... (sighs) Anyway, so a child molester. He's in prison, serving life with the possibility of parole. He was bunking with Ramon Escobar who was in prison for killing five men and murdering his aunt and uncle back in 2018. For some reason, both of these men were still alive and roommates in prison. Escobar, by the way, the murderer, he bludgeoned his victims with bolt cutters and a baseball bat as they lay sleeping on the street. He basically went on a rampage murdering homeless guys. So this is a bad guy, this murderer. This uh, Ramon Escobar, bad guy. Well, now the Kern County coroner there has ruled that the pedophile, uh, the pedophile's untimely death was a homicide at the hands of the psycho killer, Ramon Escobar. So the psycho killer, the murderer, killed the child molester there in prison. The, the The motive is unknown. It could be that the murderer found out that the child molester had a chance of parole. And that drove him out of his mind, and he beat the guy to death. That could be what happened. Um, Anyway, so at least someone got some level of justice here, even though it was gone about and achieved in all the wrong ways, which is how it usually goes. When the death penalty is not properly instituted, it is typically redirected in unjust ways, as, as we saw there, although at least one of them got what he deserved. Now, from there, we go to Ohio, back to Ohio, where uh, I talked last week that the the derailment and the burning off of the toxic chemicals, I just was not ready to assume that that was some sort of anti-MAGA conspiracy to poison middle America who voted for Donald Trump to punish us for our sins. I, I just didn't want to jump to that conclusion. But I did say that this should be investigated for negligence. 
And so now I read an article from the Daily Caller where a former fire chief has alleged that the controlled burn and the release of toxic chemicals may not have been necessary. Uh-huh. They say that the controlled burn was performed, uh, was performed to prevent an explosion. But I'll link to this guy's article. He makes a lot of good arguments that that just really doesn't hold water. That, that you know, this idea that there's going to be shrapnel. He said these tanker cars are made to actually explode. If they have to explode, they've taken that into account. They have seams and, and, and there's not going to be shrapnel. And he said... How do you know they were going to explode? You don't know that for sure. He, he says he's not aware of any incident where they've detonated all the cars in a trench and, and then burned them off like they did in Ohio. He said, yes, there's a possibility of an explosion, but what they did, and a possibility of a release of the toxic gas. But he said what, they, what the authorities appear to have done was they took a potential and they made it a for sure. And they actually burned off the... So anyway, I'm not an expert in this area. But it looks, it looks like some people did some, uh, at the very least, negligent and stupid and bad things that may, be, get, may get some people killed. And at the worst, maybe criminally negligent. Uh, but I'm not ready yet to say that they did it on purpose because they heard that the people in that community had voted for Donald Trump. I'm just not ready to say that. Anyway, this, this fire chief, and by the way, this guy's an expert in... Uh, Let's see, he's with the Mahoning County Hazardous Materials and WMD Response Team. So he has experience in this area, unlike myself. He calls the controlled burn of the toxic chemicals a laboratory experiment from hell. And so again, this could just be the result of there's simply no more adults in charge who remember all the stuff we used to know before COVID. It's like there's been this collective move across some great abyss into a new dark ages from all the stuff that was common sense before. Like, what do you do with a bunch of toxic chemicals when a train derails? It's as if we've forgotten what to do. Anyway, it's, it's, it's the strangest thing, but, uh, you know, it could be true that, you know, I've always been of the opinion that since about the summer of 2020, that I, I don't think we're ever going to recover from this. I don't think we come back from this. And, and so to some degree, I mean, we've survived and, and we're alive. And we're making a living. We're raising our children. Those of us who walk with the Lord, we're walking with the Lord. But society and civilization in general, it, it's not coming back the way it was. And, and it's, uh, it will be... Uh, it will be something that historians will analyze a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, and, and it will stand out as a truly remarkable episode in mankind's ability uh, to, to destroy himself. That's, that's, that's how I think it will be remembered by the uh, historians. Anyway, I'll link to this article about the about the fire on the train and you can uh, decide for yourself and, and see what you think but uh, uh, we want to end on a well I don't want to call it good news but at least it's not uh, it's it's the happiest ending you could have in a situation like this we go to the justice file we're around 4 a.m last Sunday 
morning in Avignon, France. Uh, the Saint-Jean district of Avignon, to be precise. A Tunisian man in his 30s began following a 57-year-old woman around as she was walking her dog. And she got nervous about it because it's 4 a.m. and there's a guy following her around as she's walking her dog. Well, the young man in his 30s tried to grab, his, tried to grab her and force himself on her, but the woman fought back. She fought back to the point where she managed to bite off a significant portion of the man's tongue. And then she fled with the tongue. That's right. She kept it. Yep. The woman then went to a local police station where she presented the police with the man's tongue. Needless to say, the man has been connected to his tongue through forensic examination police are pretty sure they've got the right guy due to the missing portion of the tongue and so hopefully this guy will be prosecuted and if convicted he should be put to death but he's in Avignon France and the, the modern European Union so instead he'll probably be offered psychedelic medications and possibly a sex change operation to help him deal with his various predilections and addictions and that's it folks that's the weekly worldview for this week thank you for tuning in i want to thank my friends at real science radio for helping the world better understand the living god through science tune in if you'd like we'll be back next week and until then may the grace of god go with you and may the peace of jesus christ be upon you.